Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New England Patriots. This is the Patriots Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Patriots Wire editor, Henry McKenna. And I was talking to the nutritionist um, in the cafeteria. He was talking to me, telling me about the meal plans and, and how everything goes and works out as far as the food and um, the diet and all type of supplements and things. And I'm about to walk out of the cafeteria and I just heard, hey, Jalen. So I turned around and it's coach, it's coach, right? And in my mind, I'm saying, okay, this is coach. But it really didn't click that it was it was called Belichick. So he's just talking to him and telling me, happy to have you, glad for you to be here, I'm excited for you to be here. And I literally turned my back to him and I screamed out loud, like, this is this is Coach Belichick. Like, this is, like, excuse my language, but I'm like, this is Coach Belichick. Like, I screamed it loud. And then I turned back around, and he was still just, like, monotone, like, regular, just still having a casual conversation with me when I'm freaking out. And then I was like, my fault, Coach. And I was just like, Coach, one more thing. I got to cut you off. I don't want to disrespect you. I just said, Coach, you're a legend to me. I'm happy to be here. And then he was just like, same, man. Happy for you to be here. Can't wait to get going and coach you up. So that was definitely a highlight of my moment um, outside of, of course, a fit, making it official and signing my contract, meeting him, and then also uh, meeting Mr. Kraft. Well, there's new Patriots defensive back Jalen Mills. He's going to fit in just fine, Henry, after hearing that reaction to meeting Bill Belichick. Sounds like a fan. You know, sounds like, you know, one of my friends meeting Bill Belichick at the supermarket or something. Uh, so uh, I don't think there'll be any issues whatsoever in getting this kind of guy to fall in line, right? Belichick's got a bunch of new faces in town. They've all been speaking to the media over the last week, but I feel like they're all going to fit in just fine with the culture. They're all towing the company line immediately. It's kind of hilarious. Yeah, you can tell from most of most of these players' answers that they were very interested in coming to the Patriots to play with Belichick. Now, obviously, Belichick was throwing around a lot of money at the beginning of free agency, so it's easy to like the guy that's giving you the millions. Um, <laughs> but it's also easy to like the guy that's won six Super Bowls and is widely considered the best to ever do it. But also, I think Jalen Mills is just like the kind of player in Philly. He grew a reputation as a sort of Belichick esque defensive back which is why bill went out of his way to get him and so that sort of mentality that he has is obviously a good match for the patriots is why they went out and got him the one guy i think you kind of keep an eye on is probably matthew judon edge guy from baltimore baltimore didn't retain him after franchise tagging him last year he's clearly like one of the best players or at least one of the most well-rounded edge players in the nfl but from like uh uh, attitude perspective, maybe maybe not totally. Like people are already comparing him to Adelius Thomas, where maybe there's an immediate buy-in, but after a year or so, 
you know, there might be a little more tension. So that would be one player I'd say just to keep an eye on. That's a little, that's a nice little piece of info right there from Henry McKenna, right? Because I, I had here, I'm hearing Kendrick Bourne talking about how, how the Pats are going to turn it around after one year. You just wait and how Cam Newton's going to ball out. Johnu Smith's out here saying whatever it takes, whatever help, whatever Bill Belichick wants me to do, that's what I'm going to do to help the team. But, uh, but now you're saying like maybe down the road we could hear Judon saying, talk to Coach Belichick, you know, when, when they did that thing like Adelius Thomas did, like you ask him the question, talk to Coach Belichick, ask him, you know, that's, it's never a good sign when a player starts answering reporters' questions with that line. Oh Yeah, I mean, I, it's, I don't want to like say 100% that that's where it could head, but without a doubt, that guy, he was like essentially, I don't want to, he was threatening to release photos of a reporter at a strip club because of how a reporter was covering him. Um, I did not know. And this. so, yeah. And so it's not like he's the most sort of like airtight. Uh, his, his background isn't necessarily perfect. So you never know. sounds like he's a bit of a wild card and, uh, but he's a good player and he's very perfect for the Patriots system, which is why they went out and got him. Well, we know two guys that will have no problem with that. The company guys, David Andrews, James White. Now the Patriots got Andrews signed Henry and this contract is kind of bananas four years in length and a total of 19 million talk about a team friendly deal so the Patriots let Andrews go out and hear some offers and he either didn't like what he was hearing out there or just had planned all along to come back to the Patriots and then James White is a guy that I had just I had him gone I thought he was going to go join the Buccaneers and, and join Brady and Gronk out there and chase a ring with the Bucks. I almost had kind of dealt with the fact that he was going to be gone but James White's back too, and he's a, just been a great Patriot. So good to have those two. And there's another Lawrence guy just signed uh, signed back for four years. Okay, that must seen that the, just happened uh, today. That's awesome. Yeah, like within the last thirty minutes. I, I haven't uh, seen the financials on it yet, largely because I'm literally walking in the woods right now, which we <laughs> joked about. Off. I was I was gonna say it. Yeah, you, so you're on like a you're like on a walkabout doing the Patriots Wire uh, podcast. So this is great. Yes, exactly. Me and my dog, an Australian Shepherd named. Humu humu nuku nuku apua or nuku for short. Um, and we are exploring the woods of New Hampshire like we do every day. Um, but uh, I do know that he's back for four years, and uh, and all these. So what's happening is it's what we've been talking about on the podcast for weeks, months, is that these players are um, finding that the free agency market is underwhelming because. So few teams have money to spend, especially now that the teams that did spend, like the Patriots, for example, they already spent their money. Like the Patriots, as of a few days ago, was at $13 million that had that much space. That's not a ton to work with. And that was a team that started free agency with a pretty significant position of power. So the point is the Patriots did what they tend to do with good players, which is say, hey, you know what? You go test the free agency market. You show us what kind of offers you get when you're shopping yourself around, and then we'll decide if we want to match it. And what happened with I would I would guess what happened with James White, David Andrews, and Lawrence Guy is that the, the Patriots and you know those three players found that the market just wasn't interested. And David Andrews, I think he probably got a much more generous offer, but a few reporters indicated that he just wanted to be back with the Patriots. So. He did his very best to raise the uh, price by, by speaking to a number of teams. But ultimately, the offers weren't good enough, really, to, to get the Patriots number up, uh, nor to get Andrews to be willing to leave New England. So to consider, you know, I would say Andrews and Guy were probably like, you know, two of their maybe three highest priority pending free agents. 
you know, Tooney being another, but he was also unrealistic, I'd say, to return. So, you know, I think those are great deals for the Patriots. Uh, and it's the kind of, they're the kind of deals that sort of solidify that, that roster, not just like with starting talent, but with depth, because, you know, with David Andrews, they also signed Ted Karras, yep. um, who they had planned to be the center probably, but because Andrews' market didn't come together, they actually got both. The Patriots got both. And then I think a similar thing happened with Lawrence Guy, which was like, they were like, maybe he'll leave. So we'll sign Devon Godshaw and Henry Anderson. That's a pretty deep defensive line. Three guys who are pretty versatile and can play starting caliber football. So, you know, this is where the, the real roster building starts to come together for Bill Belichick is when he's, he's making these low budget but high effectiveness deals. And uh, so for people who are paying attention, and if you're listening to this podcast, you are, uh, you'll see, you know, maybe a playoff caliber roster coming together. Maybe a, I don't want to say Super Bowl because <laughs> the biggest question is quarterback, but, sure. you know, a really, a really solid roster coming together. Yes, and I have, I have a question about the quarterback that I want to throw at you coming up. You know, another piece of the culture of the Patriots is not just guys going out, testing the market, and coming back, Henry, but it's former players leaving for a year or two and then coming back, right? We see this all the time, whether guys are shipped out on a trade or leave in free agency. Kyle Van Noy being the latest example. Boy, it didn't take long, right, for him to come back and start drinking the Kool-Aid again. Uh, so I think that speaks to the culture, too, that a guy like Van Noy, he goes to the Dolphins for a year, he's talking crap and all that, and then he, he's back in the locker room doing the Patriots thing all over again a year later. I just fi- I find that kind of comical almost. Yeah, it's interesting to see how perspectives change when the paycheck starts coming from different sources, right? Like, right, right, exactly. he's totally a Patriot for life when he's here, and then he leaves and he's getting paid a bunch of bucks in Miami, and he hates the Patriots, and now... The Patriots are ready to pay him, and he's like, we're all aboard. It's just, it's just the way. I mean, they're like fierce competitors. Van Noy, in particular, I think, always has sort of enjoyed the rivalry and the trash talk, and I think it helps him get fired up and focused. So I think he, he's sort of playful about it and enjoys the competition. And he, he, he talks all the time about how it's like, you know, he's a grown man playing a kid's game, and it's and it's fun to him still. So I think that's sort of that jocular approach. It, it makes him seem like he, you know, like for a year was like anti-Patriots. But I think he just was in the same division and he likes the opportunity to to give his former team a hard time. So um, I think that's a great move. Honestly, he's got versatility to move inside and outside in the front seven. So, you know, when Dante Hightower went down with an injury, he was an inside linebacker for like the remainder of the year, even though stand-up outside linebacker is kind of his more natural position. I think that's a great move, and it's and it's like we were saying. He's sort of – it's not the John o. Smith. It's not the Hunter Henry. It's not the Nelson Aguilar. It's, it's these sort of deals that maybe the casual fan doesn't quite pay attention to immediately but are, are eventually quite impactful when it comes to Sundays. No doubt, yeah. Van Noy, he was awesome as a Patriot, so let's hope he can replicate that. Yeah, that's, this roster is uh, is coming together. It's It's pretty exciting. As, as Henry mentioned a little bit ago, the quarterback situation is still a little bit unclear. Seems like there's an opening. Is is someone else going to come in and, and push Cam Newton? Is Cam Newton really going to be the starter? I have a take on that. And also, I want to get to the draft and what the Patriots might do on day one. People are mocking Mac Jones of Alabama to the Patriots at number 15. Will Belichick draft a quarterback on day one? I don't know. Let's talk about that coming up next. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. 
Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back. Henry, live from the uh, the woods, the trails of New Hampshire with his dog. Uh, Henry, there's a there's a narrative out there that with Newton signing his new one-year deal for 2021 that someone else, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo or whoever, will start for the Patriots week one. It won't be Cam. That seems to be a topic on Boston Sports Radio and, and you know all over the place. And my reaction to that is I don't see it. I don't think there's a chance that anyone not named Cam Newton is starting. I think... There's a, a mutual respect between Cam and Belichick that has been uh, apparent and has been built. And I don't think Belichick re-signed Cam with the intention of cutting him in training camp or having him be the backup or replacing him with a rookie or anything like that. Now, maybe if Jimmy G uh, shakes free from San Francisco, I would uh, change my tone. You know how I feel about Jimmy G. Uh, but I, I still I still feel like Cam is going to quarterback the Patriots in 2021, and there's a narrative out there that he's not, even though he resigned, and I just don't understand the narrative. So I wanted to get your take on that thing. I would say the, the probability of it hap- of Newton not starting in week one is low because, like you said, the only – alternative that I think that can beat him out in week one that we know of right now. Cause sometimes, sometimes things sort of come, you know, things can be strange. The Deshaun Watson situation has been bizarre, for example, where, you know, he, he was seemed like he was getting you know, treated. And now with all these lawsuits, um, alleging, uh, uh, sexual assault, he seems less likely to be traded, right. obviously. No, thank you. Um, so, it um, anything can happen in the NFL, but for now, it seems like Jimmy Garoppolo is the only obvious alternative that could beat out Cam Newton for Week One. Otherwise, we're talking more about like the Patriots drafting, like you said, Mac Jones, maybe trading up to draft Justin Fields, maybe trading up to draft Trey Lance. So the options there, I would say, are not guys that are going to beat Newton out in Week One, but could we see them play, you know, if Newton, if Newton plays well, you know, the first four weeks and then has a really bad week five, you know, not unlike what we saw this year, then all of a sudden you, you see what we aren't used to seeing, which is a quarterback controversy and the backup is actually genuinely better than the starter or um, more deserving in the case of, of Jared Stidham, who, who we found out was really not. Right. Uh, yeah. So, I would say that there's a possibility, especially with the way that Cam Newton's contract is structured. Now, when we first saw it, the reports were that he was going to make 14 million, and that's not like great quarterback money. That's that's sort of like middling starter quarterback money, but it's substantial considering how poorly he played. And then the the numbers started coming in in a more realistic way. He was really only guaranteed about three and a half million dollars, and the rest of that contract is escalators, um, whether it's a per game bonus or it's a pro bowl bonus or it's a super bowl MVP bonus. They're all things that, you know, are attainable, uh, within reason, uh, and some without reason. <laughs> I don't think Cam's going to win a super bowl MVP, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, so if you're looking at the $3.5 million number, then you're talking about like chase Daniels, uh, as as a comparison for for finances, um, 
who I think he's about to make five million. So that's kind of it's more than what Cam's going to make. But if you kind of so some of the the bonuses are like I said a per game bonus where it's kind of like implied that he'll probably make some of that money. Um, so yeah, I, I think the door is open. That that's where they view him, right? Is like bottom end starter, you know, high end backup. Mm-hmm. And if that's how they view him, then they may feel they need to get a starter caliber quarterback. Um, so money tells a story, right? And that's, that's what it's telling me at least is, if a starting caliber quarterback presented himself, they might go after him. And that's why I think there's a possibility that Cam could be, could start zero games or, or could just start, you know, four or five. Well, that brings us to our next point is pick number 15 in April's draft, Henry, right? The rumors are swirling. Mel Kuyper Jr. is on ESPN doing his thing, saying a million words in a minute, talking about Mac Jones, Mac Jones going to the Patriots. And so obviously it would be super uncharacteristic of Belichick to go quarterback on day one of the draft. I think day two is much more likely. I would be fine with them getting a rookie quarterback, by the way, to groom behind Cam Newton. I think Cam's a great leader and good off the field and all that. So I would be down for that if Cam plays quarterback this year and he's grooming the next guy. Let's do that. But this thing with Mac Jones, he's an Alabama guy. And I don't know if Patriots fans out there have seen the Bill Belichick, Nick Saban documentary, but you've got to see it. It's freaking hilarious. They love each other. They they are they just love each other, Belichick and Saban. My favorite part of the documentary is Belichick asking them not to film. He's like, hey, let's not film this. I just want to talk to Nick for a minute. And they film the whole thing. It's like so ridiculous. And Belichick asked them not to film and they film it and they put it in the documentary. I thought that was hilarious, but they love each other. Belichick would trust Saban. We see Belichick drafting Saban guys all the time. And I feel like if Saban were to tell Belichick, uh, Mac Jones is the guy, Henry, I feel like maybe Belichick would, would pick him at number 15. But if he doesn't, that might tell us something about Mac Jones or maybe just how Belichick is viewing the quarterback room. But Mac Jones to the Patriots of 15 seems unlikely, but unless Saban's really, really high on the player, maybe it could happen. Mac Jones is one of those players that is so obviously a patriot that you have to wonder if it's too <laughs> obvious that he's oh, so a patriot. You, so you like this. I I think it makes a lot of sense. And um his his skill set makes sense for New England because he's a quick passer, he's a quick processor, and he um is a pocket passer that moves pretty well in the pocket. The, the downside is He's not truly mobile in an era of quarterbacking where that is starting to feel like a necessity. And he's not necessarily the strongest arm in his draft class and and also obviously in the NFL. So there's some question I would say about, okay, how good can he be really? Kuiper actually compares him to Tom Brady, which is like <laughs> Kuiper's like blasphemy. Also, I know. Well, Kuiper's like, well, it's not really a comparison. I'm just saying they have some of the same assets. And it's like, okay, you can't just throw around Brady willy nilly and, and, and like, but whatever. <laughs> the the point is, it, you know, there's, there's some parallels that would make Mac Jones a schematic fit, but. The reason why Brady and, you know, Breeze and, and so on are sort of still surviving in today's NFL is because they've got uh, amazing nuance in their pocket presence where they just make the smallest moves and they can elude pressure. 
but but it's also like a level of intellect and studying the game for two decades um something that obviously a rookie won't have so there's there's definitely significant skepticism about whether a guy who is the archetype of like 2010 can can still like he would be a number one pick in 2020 2010 Mm. but like can he hang in 2020 um and that's that's the real question and and it would be interesting if belichick thinks hey we're going to regress back to the the mean which is that like more mobile quarterbacks are great but you don't need one or you know he thinks hey this is the future and there's no escaping it so we need to trade up and get justin fields or trey lance two guys who might slip a little bit um but have good athleticism on top of all of their impressive physical and mental tools as as signal callers so that's uh i would say that's i would in the draft twitter slash mock draft world people are definitely talking about that as well where you know maybe new england isn't as enchanted with mac jones's skill set maybe they really want to go up and get a guy like trey lance who's just like physically unbeatable uh but is coming from north dakota state so there's questions about like okay he was unbeatable against north dakota state or sorry the opponents in that fcs uh conference so yeah i mean we'll see i think it will start to come come to uh I, I would be aware of what we hear leading into the draft because Belichick loves to drop all sorts of misinformative nuggets. But, sure. um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a really cool draft. Last year we were talking about quarterbacks all, all year. They <laughs> didn't even take one. Of course. Of course not. Yeah, and you know, number 15 will come up. The Patriots will be sitting there. Mac Jones will be on the board, and they'll trade back or something. You know, you know what yeah, I mean. Like we'll be waiting. Back. We'll be waiting for 15 minutes, waiting for them to make the pick, and we'll have no yeah. freaking idea what they're going to do. And, or they'll take someone who's like who's like supposed to be a high end second rounder. <laughs> of course, yes, yes. So they'll take a cornerback. So good. That ran, yeah, that's like a freak <laughs> athlete. I actually kind of like J.C. Horn out of South Carolina for for the Patriots because he's he's like Stephon Gilmore all over again, but. Um, they're probably going to lose Stefan Gilmore in the next year or two. So he would be like a, a natural, you know, they did it with Nate Solder where these like really premium positions. Uh, if they get the opportunity to get like an elite guy, sometimes they'll draft his backup so that in a year, you know, they can take it, It's what we think they're going to do at quarterback, but they could easily do it at a different position, like like cornerback. Sure. Right. A, a position that you're going to have to bolster at some point. Uh, so that let's leave it here. I mean, obviously, everyone's focused on the everyone's obsessed with the Patriots at, at quarterback because that's the most glaring thing on the roster, especially after Belichick went out and kind of overhauled this roster. And the roster looks so much better now than it did entering free agency. Right. So. Do you see any other glaring weaknesses other than quarterback right now after Belichick has kind of pieced this thing together, Henry? You talked about how deep they are at all these positions. Like, what what's the glaring weakness or what what's the number two weakness, you think, other than quarterback entering the draft for the Pats? I kind of think it's still receiver because I we talked last week about the Nelson Aguilar deal. Yeah, he is, like, he's our number one receiver now. You're right. Nelson Aguilar. <laughs> I don't really love I don't really love him as wide receiver one. I don't like Julian Edelman as wide receiver one. I don't like Jacoby Myers as wide receiver one. I just there's not there's not much to there's not one player who you're like that guy is going to beat the number one cornerback on on any given play. That's that's the problem. And so we obviously have 
we can look at that tight end position and see that the Patriots have, uh, you know, two elite pass catching tight ends or, or so they have paid them to be and, and hope that they will be. Uh, and so that sort of excuses no one number one receiver, but ultimately I don't know if Nelson Aguilar is like really a true wide receiver one. He's more of a, of a two, two slash three. And so we'll see if that's okay. If, that, if they get by with that, because they have two, you know, tight end ones, so to speak, that they can they can spread it around to their sort of dizzying array of pass catchers, whether it's James White, Nelson Aguilar, Jacoby Myers, Julian Edelman, Kendrick Bourne, Jonathan Smith, Hunter Henry. Uh, maybe they re-sign Rex Burkhead. Maybe, but probably not. They retain Nikhil Harry, and he's somehow good. But <laughs> – even before we got into the uncertainty, I think they've got like a lot of number two to three options in their offense. Um, so that's great. But the number one option is definitely some questions there. Yeah. So maybe everyone's mocking Mac Jones to the Patriots at number 15, but maybe Jalen Waddle's still available or something, you know, something, yeah, something like, crazy happens. Yeah. 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 And then they go quarterback day two, which, you know, maybe something like that is in the cards. So it'll be fun. We'll, we'll spend the next couple of weeks kind of, Try to figure out what they're going to do, Henry. But like we said, we're never we're never going to freaking know. We're never going to know. Yeah, but right. Well, that's our show for today. For Henry McKenna, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you all next week. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.